Well, I want to welcome our entire Pathway family for those of you who are watching online and everyone who's at all of our locations today. And I'm super excited to be here. Fall is in the air, but also we're kicking off a brand new series today. And it is called Becoming Who You Are. Now, when I heard the name of this series, like, we should know who we are, right? Do you know who you are? I hope you do today. If you don't, turn to your neighbor right now asking, who am I, right? It's like you've lost your mind if you don't know who you are. But actually, that surface question is a whole lot deeper. And that's what we're going to do is really dive in to the depth of who we really are. Now, this question really revolves around this idea of identity. Now, you've heard this in our world. People are always talking about identity. And this question of identity determines so many things in our lives. It determines our behaviors. It determines our conversations. Because who we believe we are really determines how we live. That's just true. And you know, for all of us, and I think everybody, you've had somebody ask you this question where they're questioning this about themselves, or you've asked this question about yourself when you looked in a mirror is you just simply said who am I like we've all kind of asked that haven't we it sounds a little crazy like because we know our names that's what people would say but really this whole idea of identity is so much deeper than that it's like a a felt thing but it's also something that we live and so as we think about identity in our world, like if you were to ask people like, who are you? What would they say? They may answer with what they do. They may answer with something they struggle with. Like I had someone this week tell me I'm an addict, right? We answer the questions like that. But in our world as a whole, there's this conversation going around about sexuality and gender. Like, who am I? I think we can say that we're confused about who we are. Now, if you're here today and you're confused, I have good news for you. We're all confused. We all are. Everybody's laughing because you're like, yep, I'm confused too. Like, who am I? If you haven't struggled with that question, you probably haven't been honest with yourself. It's one of the most honest questions you can ask yourself. So we're going to do some, a fun experiment right up front today, okay? A fun group activity. And so I want you to imagine that I've handed you a name tag. And you have to tell me who you are, but you can't use your name. One word. But you can't use your name. What would you write? on that name tag. All right, I want you to think about this. If you want, you can type it in your phone. You can think about it. You're like, that's what I would put on there. And I want you to know this is how you identify yourself in your mind, and this determines your behaviors and how you live. It truly does. Now, I've had a lot of names on this name tag. And what you're about to learn is I'm a very confused person, okay? So be gentle as I roll these out. So when I was in middle school and probably the first part of high school, 
I could have put athlete on that name tag. Now I know it's hard to imagine, okay? But one time I was an athlete, okay? Your laughter is not helping me feel better about that. But anyways, so athlete is what I would put on there. And then when I got about halfway through high school, what I figured out was I was pretty average. Like I stopped growing, I was slow, and I couldn't jump. That's a bad athlete, right? So then what do I put on my name tag? Well, I didn't really know who I was, and maybe some of you are there. You don't feel like you fit. And so I would put outcast on my name tag. You know, that's a scary place to be when you feel like you're an outcast. But we have that as our identity sometimes, right? Well, as I grew up, I was like, you know what? Most people identify with what they do. And so I wanted to be a farmer like my dad, and I was going to take over the family farm, so I wore that. Now, what happens when that is all of our conversations, like when people say, what's going on in your life? You start talking about your job. That's how you know that's your identity. You know, and so that one felt okay. The next one scared me a little bit, though. And that's when I became a husband right? That's a scary thing because I wasn't a very good one. My wife would tell you for the first year or two, just being honest, it was a little bumpy and I didn't know what I was doing. And then something far scarier happened that went on my name tag is I became a father. Oh my goodness, that's scary, right? I have teenagers now. I don't know what the heck I'm doing, right? Nobody does. And so when these are our identities, it's like, how can it be my identity and I'm terrible at it? Well, then something happened where I went through a profession change. Is I became a pastor, no longer a farmer. I was a pastor. And honestly, every pastor I knew couldn't work on cars or weren't handy. I didn't know what they, I didn't know what you did. Like, what did you do? You just pray for people or something. That's, that's all I knew. And so I was like, I was wearing this name tag, but I didn't know what I was doing. But then when I figured out what I was doing, I became successful in some people's eyes. Now, this is a scary one. Now, if this is on your name tag, we don't like you, most of us in the room, because we don't feel very successful today. So be humble. But you know, when you're successful, there's one way to go, and that's failure. Some of you are wearing that name tag today. If I was going to ask you about your life, you're like, I feel like a failure. And you know, for me, COVID, being a pastor, struggles in my family, I felt like a failure. I think a lot of us did. And then just recently, I changed roles here at the church. I went from being the Goddard campus pastor to the executive pastor, and I really don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if I should say that out loud. Some of you are like, holy cow, it's a little scary now, right? I don't know what I'm doing, and I feel like an imposter. Has any of you ever felt like an imposter? Where you're like, you're trying to play a part that everybody thinks you need to play. You have this name, but you're like, I don't really know what I'm doing. Should I admit that to people? You know, we're all there in some way. You see, these identities 
are very insecure, aren't they? They change so often that it's like, we're like, who are we? Who am I? You're all confused about who I am now, right? You're like, who is this guy? And so what we're going to do throughout this series is we're really going to take apart some of what I would call these fake identities. And we're going to learn about our true identity. Now today, the fake identity that we're going to tear down is where we can understand that our identity is not political. Now some of you are like, oh, here we go. Here we go. And even driving today, some of us in today, I looked at social media, some of us, our primary identity is political. Now, I am the perfect person to preach this message. I say that with all humility I have, but I am the perfect person. And the reason is, is because my family is a family divided. Because the Elliott side is Republican. All right? They're Republican. That's their identity. And the O'Neill side is Democrat. Wow. Okay. Now you think your Thanksgivings are complicated. Mine sometimes, like we handle it pretty well, but sometimes it's a little bit of a brush fire at my house. Now really it is healthy, but it goes back to the roots. So when I'd walk into my Grandpa Elliot's house, what I'd see is a giant picture of Ronald Reagan. And what I would see is he had like a signed letter, but I knew with being a Republican, there's all these things you have to believe, isn't there? There's this orthodoxy, this belief system about being Republican. So what my grandpa Elliot would do when I was little is he'd talk to me about what it meant to be a Republican. What did that identity mean? And you, you know, you agreed with all of these things. And I think he wanted me to be a Republican. Now, my grandpa Neil had a very different upbringing. He grew up more in the South, and he grew up on welfare. And you see, through the Great Depression, those programs that Democrats created fed his family. He would look at me and he'd say, without those programs, we would have died. Can you see why maybe his roots, why he was? And so he'd talk to me about the values of being a Democrat. And so I had like these two ideologies, right and left. Which was I going to choose? Which was going to be my identity? Now, the challenge that I discovered as I tried to grow was that actually there's kind of this third identity too, but we're not going to talk about it as much because we're going to talk about right and left. But there's some of us in the room that are more like me. I would say I'm an independent thinker, right? You're the I, and we think we're better than those D's and those R's, aren't we? Right? If you're an independent thinker, you're just as bad as the rest of us, okay? You're just as bad as the rest of us because that's your primary identity. That's your identity. Now, what I discovered as I went through was when I'd go through the list of what it meant to be a D or an R, a red or blue, an elephant or a donkey, what I discovered was 
there were these things I had to say yes to that I wasn't so sure about. But it seemed like if it was my identity, as soon as someone discovered what I was, they would assume all of these things about me, right? You've got a list in your mind. Even when I said whether, which side of the aisle, one of my family, you started judging one side of my family when I said what they were. You did a little bit, didn't you? You're like, they believe these things. The problem with this is, is when this is our primary identity, it's destructive. So I'm going to poke you a little bit. Are you okay with that? Okay? You see, when this is our primary identity, we start agreeing with things that we really don't agree with, and we go through the talking points. And Jesus is very sec- secondary to this. You don't believe me? Can Republicans be for immigrants? You've got to think about that, right? What's the right answer? Because the conversation that happens out there is like, it's very different. And if you sound a little too much, right, you're, you're a little too left-leaning. So let me lean into the other side. Can a Democrat be pro-life? feels wrong. Because you see, people are fighting every day to get you to pick a team, to put the name tag on. And that become your primary identity. And what we're going to learn about today is that's not it. If you're a follower of Jesus here today, that is the toxin that is in our culture and in our church. It is in that that followers of Jesus, instead of wearing what Paul is going to show us we're supposed to have as our primary identity, our primary identity is a D or an R, and Jesus is second. That's what happens, and we know it. I looked at a social media feed today, and what I found was one of my friends who was out there, you know it's election season, he has seven posts in a row. They're all political. What do you think his identity is? sure isn't what Paul is going to teach us. Now, this isn't anything new. So if I stepped on your toes a little bit, it'll be okay. Don't shoot the messenger, okay? What we're going to learn is this was a problem in the early church as well. You see, because they had a form of D and R. There were the Jews on the right, And people wore that identity. And then there were the Gentiles on the left. Now, if you think Democrats and Republicans don't get along, you ain't seen nothing. These people would never eat together. Because there was such a dividing wall between the two. And you see, the thing is, is this took over and infected the church in a very powerful way. And so the Apostle Paul, he wrote a letter to the church in Ephesus, and that's what we're going to look at throughout this series. And he wrote to them about who they are and their identity. I want to invite you right now, you can open up your Bibles or look in your Pathway Church app to Ephesians 1. And we're just going to read the first verse. Now I want you to keep in mind as we read this that Paul's name really wasn't Paul. It was actually Saul. But he's going to call himself Paul 
And he's going to show you in this first verse that this man knows who he is. And the entire letter after that is coming from a man who knows who he is. And for people like us who don't know who we are, this could be helpful. So he said this in Ephesians 1.1. He said, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. So you see, he's not calling himself Saul. He's Paul. He has a new identity. This man, formerly, he helped murder and persecute Christians. But he's different now. And he says, by the will of God, I am an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. He knows who he is. Now, Paul goes on in this letter, and we're going to skip ahead a little bit. He talks about the lordship of Jesus. He talks about who Jesus is and what he's done. He tells the church in Ephesus that God has a plan for them. They were predestined for good works that God has actually planned for them to do. And then he dives in to this right and left thinking that they have bought into. So he says this, beginning in verse 11 in chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, it says this. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who called themselves the circumcised, the Jews, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now Paul writes these words. He is telling the Gentiles on the left, remember, you were out. You had no hope. He was saying the Jews and you, you were divided. There was no way to bring you together. And you're living in that identity still. You see, for all of us, what we can say is like, even once we begin to follow Jesus, it's like these old identities kind of follow us around. And so Paul really wants us to understand something. He wanted them to understand a truth. That their identity is Gentiles. And I would say for us, our identity, if it's our primary identity as Republicans or Democrats, these are identities of hopelessness. These are identities of hopelessness. Like we know that's true, don't we? How hopeless do all those stupid political ads that shade to gray and go in slow motion for drama? How hopeless do they make you feel? Are you loving that? They're trying to scare us. They're telling us if they lose, it's all lost. That's hopelessness. You see, Paul said it this way to them. Remember going back to the verse, he said, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ when you were hopeless excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise 
without hope and without God in the world. And we walk around hopeless so many times. How many times you heard this is the most important election of our lifetime? How many of you have heard that? Raise your hand. How many of you heard that the last election? How many of you heard that the election before? How many of you think they're full of it? That's what I think. All right? Because the thing is, is they're trying to create hopelessness. If they lose, all hope is lost until we have to do it again. You see, that's what Paul is saying when you live in that primary area. What happens is, is you live this pattern of hopelessness. Now, I had a conversation with a person after the last election where we voted on the Value Them Both Amendment. I ran into so many hopeless people. But I ran into one who was very hopeless. They actually said it. When I go, well, how are you doing this week? The first thing he said is like, all hope is lost. That's what they told me. All hope is lost. And they said, you know what? I just don't know. This world that we're going to live in, this world that my kids are growing up in, it's just like all hope is lost. And I was like, good morning. You know, it was like, wow. And as I talked with him, it's just like he could not move out of that reality. He was hopeless. Even when I tried to tell him, I was like, you know what? Um, this will probably come back up again, like every election. Have you noticed that? We kind of vote for the same things over and over, and it's just this giant tug of war that's happening. One side will tell us if you just get it over here, it'll be solved forever. I have to tell you, in a democracy, that's not how it works. It's a constant tug of war of hopelessness. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't vote. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be on one side or the other. But you have to admit, if that is your primary identity, we are hopeless. Man, you feel that in our world right now, don't you? Hopeless? Now, the good news is, is Paul, he doesn't leave them there. Because he's going to reveal the truth to them. See, Paul uses this phrase over and over in the book of Ephesians. It was actually in the first verse we read together. And it's also here. Paul says that your identity is in Christ. That's our identity. It's secure. It can't change. Our identity is in Christ. So Paul said it this way. He said, but now in Christ, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You see, we have to believe that is not just something he wrote. That is our reality. That my identity is not that long list of things that changes in and out. When I succeed at something, then I can wear it proudly. When I fail, it's kind of like it's around my neck and then I take it off. Paul is saying, throw those away. Throw them away. They're so secondary. You can think, you can believe, you can vote. But you're not hopeless because your identity is in 
Christ. That's your identity. Church, do we believe that is our identity? Do we believe that? Before you answer that, though, some of you answered quick, which I appreciate. What does our behavior say? Especially around these elections. Is that our primary identity? Or are we talking like in our conversation, it's like, oh no, I'm wearing that D or R pretty strong. My identity is there right now. No, it's in Christ. You see, Paul said it a different way in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He said, therefore, if anyone is what? In Christ. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. We are squeaky clean new. Doesn't it feel good? No matter how old you are, you're squeaky clean. Like we are new. Let's quit acting like those old identities dictate who we are because they no longer do. Our identity is in Christ. Man, I had a person after the last election, just like I described the hopelessness, I found one who she came up to me and I mean it was powerful. I needed it. She came up and I was like, how do you feel about all this negativity and everything? And she said, doesn't really touch me. And I'm like, how does it not touch you? It frustrates the heck out of me. And she said, you know, even when I went and voted, before I walked in the voting booth, I told myself that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And she said, you know, maybe it didn't go my way. I had friends that went their way, and they acted crazy too. That's what she told me. And she said, you know, I have to think that the Creator God is not surprised by any of this. That He is going to bring opportunities into my life for me to care, for me to love, for me to show people who Jesus is. Even if it's not, as she said, I love this. If it's just that I don't freak out. Man, that was like a breath of fresh air. But do you see in Christ? See, that's her primary identity. She wasn't distracted by the D and the R. She voted like the rest of us, but she was focused on her primary identity of being in Christ. And what would our lives look like if that was our primary identity? And that's what Paul is saying to this group of Gentiles who feels this dividing wall between them and the Jews that for some reason they kind of all believe in Jesus, this group that is the church, but there's like there's a right and there's a left and there's division. And it's because they're still operating out of their old primary identity. They're not squeaky clean new. They've kept that old. They haven't thrown it away. What I love about what Paul does is at the end of this little section, there's a couple verses kind of in the middle that clarify what this new identity, the power of it, why we can believe in it and why we can operate in it. 
It's found in Ephesians 2, 14 through 15. It says there, for he himself, Jesus, is our peace. Exclamation point. He is our peace. Who has made the two groups, the right and the left, one, has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside his flesh, the law, with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. You see, that's why it's our primary identity. Like the world doesn't know who they are. But today, if you follow Jesus, we know who we are. We know our primary identity. We know who we are. Don't you see a world that is like grabbing for so many things because they don't know who we are? We don't have to. Because Jesus has said who we are. You see, just like Paul, who was a murderer, who had sinned greatly against God, he put on a new identity. He was no longer Saul, he was Paul. And he was powerful, he knew who he was. I think today if he was here, he would beg you, know who you are. You know, when you walk in the voting booth, know who you are. When you're having a conversation with a friend about politics, it's going to happen in the next couple weeks, next week. Know who you are. You know, and I wonder if this would be helpful. Just like that woman did. When somebody looks at you and says, you know, I don't know where you're at politically. Are you a Democrat? Are you a Republican? What if you said, I am in Christ. They may think you're a little crazy, right? Christians are a little crazy. We should be. Because that's our identity. It looks different and it stands out from the rest of the world. But when people ask you, it doesn't mean you don't vote. It doesn't mean you, ha- you don't have opinions, but it is secondary to your identity in Jesus. You see, that is the toxin that has seeped into our hearts and our souls when those political things have become our identity. Jesus is saying, church, family, be different. Your identity is in me. And so today, as we close, I want to give us a chance to repent. You know, talking about my grandpas earlier, they were both big on repentance. And what repentance is, if you don't know, it is looking at your life soberly, seeking God, and just confessing, God, I've gotten this wrong. I need forgiveness. I need to put on my new identity. You know, I need to do that. My guess is some of you need to do that as well. But you know, I also know that there are many watching, listening here that you've never put the identity in Christ on for the very first time. Man, and you're struggling with all those name tags. I want you to know today there's a secure identity that's found in Jesus because of what he has done. 
All you need to do today is accept him to be the leader and the savior of your life. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you, God, for the opportunity we have to learn from your scriptures and your word. God, I'm grateful for the words that Paul wrote to that church in Ephesus, how they can infiltrate our hearts, change our thinking, help us to truly understand who we are in Christ. God, I know this week as as I read these scriptures, I know that when I think about the last couple years, God, I've gotten this wrong. That God, so many times my opinions, my views have been my primary identity that people see. But God, I want to be found, as Paul said, in Christ. I want that to be my identity that drives everything, my behavior, my actions. And my guess is today, I am not alone. And so today, if you feel like you need to ask God for forgiveness, you need to repent and say, God, I've gotten this wrong, and ask his spirit to guide you, to help you get this right, I just want you to declare that to him by simply raising your hand that you need his help to get this right in your life. Raise your hand no matter where you're at, no matter where you're at, hands all over. Man, that is all of us. Let me pray for all of us. Father, I pray that over especially the next week and weeks to come, that God, that all of us, we would truly be found in Christ. That God, your spirit would guide us as we have conversations. That God, our mindset would be on the things above and what you've called us to do here for you. God, I pray that God, that we would be people who vote. God, people who want good for our community. But God, that the D and the R, the right and the left, would not be our primary identity. That God, our identity would be found in you and in Christ alone. God, I also know today that there's many here and many watching this that they have never put on their new identity in Christ. As I mentioned a moment ago, Jesus has been waiting. It's a free gift of his grace and his mercy and a new identity that is found in him. All you need to do today is to accept him to be the leader and the savior of your life. And so if that's you today, and you want a new identity and to know who you are, I just want to invite you to pray this simple prayer with me in the quietness of your heart. Father, I know that I have fallen short, and my sin and my shame and my guilt has separated me from you. But today, Jesus, I choose to no longer be defined by those things because of your sacrifice that you made on the cross so that all my sins would be forgiven and I would be free. And today, Jesus, I choose to accept my new identity, my identity that is only found in you. Now, with everybody's head still bowed and eyes still closed, if you pray that prayer for the very first time, I just want to invite you to declare that decision to God boldly by simply raising your hand and so that I can pray for the decision that you made. Raise your hand right now if you prayed that prayer for the very first time. Raise your hand right now. I see you. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, God, 
for those who have stepped into a new relationship with you today. God, I pray that your spirit would guide them, that they would know the reality that their identity is in Christ. God, I pray for all of us that, Lord, you would remind us that this week of who we are, who we are in you. God, we pray all of this in Jesus' blessed name. Amen.